As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. My name is Taylor Payne, and I am joined by Abel Seaman, Chris Sergeant Waffles Wolf. <laughs> That's a big title. Chris, how are you doing? Are you all right? Uh, I'm just trying to process the name you've just called me, but apart from that, I'm all right. I think, yeah. Abel Seaman, that's you know, that's you know, you you you're just starting out. Yeah, you get you're finding your feet. You're doing all right, but you are able, so that's good. And you well, are. Thank Seaman. you. <laughs> it's lovely to hear your voice again, Chris. I have to say, I've missed you this week. Oh, that's that's very nice. Is that is that due to I mean, due to us being changed into about 15 different tiers or whatever the hell we're in now? Yes, I don't know what tier. We, I think what happens now is they cut around the northeast and just float us out into the North Sea. Right. That's that, that's Makes tier sense. four. So, yeah, great fun. Can't wait for that. Looking forward to it. Uh, Yeah, so George isn't with us this week. George is uh, taking a little break, so it's just going to be me and the other ugly member of the podcast. (laughs) He's stuck with the ugly two this week, I'm afraid. Uh, But hopefully George will be back soon. Uh, Exciting news, Chris. Exciting news with The Athletic. I thought you were saying about George being away. Oh, no, well, that is exciting for us because it means we get to talk more. Yeah, Joe's not been on the podcast this week. But yes, it's, no, the very, very, very exciting news, which it's been difficult to sort of, over the last couple of days, there was a few uh, tweets that were trailed by a few different people on the athletics sort of bigging up the fact that he'd arriving, and I was getting loads and loads of messages asking who it was, particularly when George himself had put out a tweet on Monday saying about how, uh, despite rumours, that Newcastle are beefing up their <laughs> Newcastle coverage is not leaving and I got loads of messages of people saying who is it who is it and obviously I, I was sworn to secrecy and this has been in the offing for a little while but Mr yeah. Alan Shearer is now a columnist for us wow that's a name isn't it that is I mean that's possibly the most famous Newcastle name there is I think I don't think you could have got a, be- a bigger and better name to cover Newcastle United than Alan Shearer I think that's absolutely incredible Chris Oh, really, very much so. But even Premier League-wise, I mean, just in his first piece on The Athletic, which is an interview with uh, Oliver Kay, covers a, a wide range of topics, which I definitely recommend reading. He talks about England, goal scoring in general, being the Premier League's obviously all-time leading goal scorer. But then he does discuss Newcastle. He discusses the fact that uh, he, he was made a manager briefly and that he did think that was going to yeah. be the career he was going to go along. But then he talks more about the sort of team now. And it's he's very interesting on Joe Linton, actually. He says... 
that he feels Joe Linton has been shafted, I think is the term that he uses, wow. essentially, being given the Very number nine language. shirt. And for someone who isn't a natural goal scorer and isn't a number nine to have been given that shirt and given everything that means at Newcastle, and he would know that more than anyone. Absolutely. Um, so it's definitely worth a read. He, sp- he speaks briefly about the signings Newcastle made this summer and just also what, what he's hoping to do with the Athletic. And there's going to be an interview later in the week with a with a famous figure within the game who he's worked with. And basically, he's going to he's, he's coming in to to both do columns and also interviews with people within the game. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what Shearer brings. Fantastic, yeah. I'm sure he's going to bring an, an amazing insight and, and some fantastic, uh, some fantastic columns and interviews, like you say. On a personal note, and and I'm fangirling so hard at the minute about this because it's Alan Shearer was my hero when I was a kid, and uh, and now I get to say to people, guess what? One of the lads from work said, <laughs> Alan Shearer is now one of the lads from work. I think that's brilliant. I oh, hope I get him in Secret Santa at Christmas. That would be fun. <laughs> what would you get him? What would you get him? Oh, Jesus. I don't know. It would have to be something meat-based, probably, Chris, I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Big packet of steaks or something like that. I don't know. What, what do you get Alan Shearer for Christmas? What could Alan Shearer possibly want for Christmas? I don't know, Chris. What would you get him? <sighs> that, yeah, that's, a, that's an absolute heck of a question. Um, George George would get him a signed picture of George. Yes, exactly. Yeah. This is what this is what's been missing from your life, Alan. Is, yes. There's been a so big was... gaping hole all the way through. Those two hundred and six goals you scored for Newcastle United and all yeah. those England goals and caps, but this is what you've been missing. Put this on your wall alongside all of your England shirts. There you go. <laughs> Fantastic news. But yes, Alan Shearer will be joining uh, or has joined the Athletic uh, as as a columnist and also um not really sure what's happening with the podcasts at the minute. It would be absolutely wonderful to get him on, wouldn't it, Chris? I'd love to hear that voice of his oh it would be lovely to get him on at some stage we're not sure what's happening there the minute the minute he is a he is a columnist for us in the same way that rafa benitez was and i know that, yep. that we had the, the the rafa benitez special podcast maybe along the line that will become something that i don't know but for now i would just very much recommend reading his uh his, his pieces on the athletic because i think that uh well certainly judging by the first one i just he, he, what I, I find really impressive about him was it, there's a bit where Alvake asks him about match of the day and when he was first a pundit and there was a lot of criticism when he was first a pundit yeah. basically because he was reserved and he didn't really give that, that strong an opinions and he's asked directly about that. Did did the criticism hurt? And Shearer responded with no, because I knew I was doing. I knew I wasn't very good. I knew I was. I was sort of holding back because I was potentially at that stage going into management. And I think that now he feels that he's really come out of that shell and he wants to give these strong views. He wants to go in depth. He doesn't just want to react to if someone has a crap game at the weekend, say that they were rubbish. He wants to go into why is, I don't know, Virgil van Dijk so good defensively? Why why is it, why would it be so difficult as a striker to play against him? He wants to speak to to those in the game and, and find out more about them given that perspective of someone who was at the very top of his profession i'm just really excited to, to to read all of that yeah me too that's going to be great that. that's going to be absolutely fantastic if you want to read that uh, that oliver k uh, interview with alan shearer or any of the other new columns that he's going to be involved in uh, check out www.theathletic.com forward slash newcastle pod and you can join up for just one pound a month at the moment well chris also, this week there was some news. Uh, the Premier League uh, have decided, uh, along with Sky Sports box office, to release pay-per-view football. I've got some strong opinions on this. Chris, do you want to go first before I explode? Well, there's been a lot of capitalist movement, hasn't there, from Premier League or Premier <laughs> League people has. in the last few days? Because we'll get on money grabbing else a bit later bastards well. <laughs> is what I call them, Chris. Sorry. Well, that, that's that's quite all right. So yes, on Friday we had uh, what has been termed an interim solution from the Premier League and oh, yeah. uh, broadcasters for 
the rest of October at the minute is what they're saying. But given the fact that we said earlier that tier two lockdown here and, and the like going forward, it looks unlikely that fans are going to be back in ground. So this will probably become extend a bit longer. But now, so so the games that have been shown for free or have been included in Sky Sports or BT Sports subscriptions up until this stage on top of the matches that are usually uh, within the pay-per-view package, sorry, within the broadcast packages are now yeah. pay-per-view. So there are going to be five games most weekends which are fourteen ninety five to pay for on Sky Sports or BT Sport. And Newcastle United have the first one. Newcastle United against Manchester United has been moved to 8 o'clock on Saturday. So anyone who wants to watch that game will have to pay fourteen ninety five. And as many fans, I've, I've written a column about this for tomorrow, speaking to, to fans, the Supporters Trust, Ian Mains, the MP, and basically a lot of fans who have already paid the entirety of their season ticket for this yes. year. Yep. A lot of them also already pay for Sky and BT subscriptions, so you're talking yep. like 80 quid a month or whatever there. And then they're being asked to pay £15 nearly as well this weekend for that game. Or then you have other fans who are still having direct debit payments taken out for their season mm-hmm. ticket on a monthly basis. And so I've already paid up to this point for that game, but but also for games and beyond. And it just at a time when so many people are struggling, I think it's just it's something that, that really sticks in the back of my throat, the, the fact that it just it just feels so badly conceived and just they haven't read the room at all. I think they can stick it up their arses, basically, personally. I genuinely will not be going anywhere near this. I, I'm I'm furious about it, actually. The way things are at the minute, it's the worst kind of disaster capitalism, like you say. I, I just think they are exploiting fans. They're exploiting fans' loyalty to their clubs. I, I feel so strongly about this in the way that things are at the minute with people struggling for work, people being made redundant, people being uh, losing businesses, losing livelihoods um, to coronavirus and stuff like that. A lot of people struggling in this country and football is one of the few things that actually gives people joy at the minute because we can't go to the pub anymore the way we used to and, and enjoy nights out. Uh, we can't see our friends, we can't see our families. The least we should be able to do is sit and watch the sport we love without having to fork out ridiculous amounts of money every time and 1495 now listen i know that doesn't sound like an awful lot of money on the face of things but to people who've got nothing that is the difference between maybe eating and not eating it's 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 a ridiculous amount of money i think i could have got on board with this if it had been five pound a game or something along those lines the price point's so crucial and and my understanding is that 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 was very much broadcast-led and that there were some voices within the Premier League who had sort of suggested at a club level that they didn't agree with that, but eventually 19 of the 20 voted for it. Newcastle United were one of them. It wasn't a Newcastle United-led policy. It wasn't a Premier League-led policy, but at the same time, they've, they've, agreed, they've agreed to this. And as you say, I think that the price point is so difficult. And it's also, again, as we'll get on to in a bit with with, with uh, Project, uh, whatever the, the hell the crap name Project I've got. Project Big this. Bullshit. Yeah, that one. When we get onto that in, in, in a bit, that this is this is very much the other 14 clubs who are affected by this. So, I mean, Newcastle to an extent, but Newcastle disproportionately gets shown more on TV than other teams. So in that sense, Newcastle fans may not be as affected as some other fans. But if you're a fan of West Brom, 
I think you've got to pay three times this month, Burnley as well. So it's your, all three of your games. So therefore, you're paying £45 on top of it because it's if disgusting. you're a fan of Manchester United or a fan of Liverpool, then you're likely to be on far more. So it penalises yeah. certain sections of, of supporters as well. And look, everyone is struggling. I accept that broadcasters have been hit by this, but then my counter-argument to that would be but you're getting more eyeballs on your product than ever before because people can't go to games. And clubs have been hit by this. As I've mentioned before on this podcast, I think that well, what I was told that before... Uh, there was the indefinite postponement of supporters come back last month. Newcastle already had factored in around about a fifty million pound drop in revenue, and so yes, yeah. they've been affected, and a lot of cl- clubs have been affected. Everyone's been affected, but more so, supporters and people who, who you're seeing are, are on the breadline have really been affected by this. And I think that if you look at the situation in Liverpool, where you're going to have people who are getting two thirds of 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 what is already a living wage now, and they're get they, as you say, there's nothing. What else is there to do? You're not allowed to go to the pub, or if you do go to the pub, you only have to go by yourself. Yeah. You can't. It's not like you can go all go around each other's houses and watch this together because households are yeah. banned from from meeting each other, as they are on Tyneside as well. And so, yes, I, I've got. I just can't understand how that they've managed to come up with a policy which basically alienates everyone. The thing is, I know. I, I mean, you're saying broadcasters have struggled and clubs are struggling and stuff like that. I mean. I, I don't care. I honestly don't care about broadcasters or Premier League clubs. They can afford to absorb this. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it shouldn't. It shouldn't fall at the feet of the fans again to be to be pumping money into the game when it's when it's already there. I just I think it's absolutely disgusting. I, I really do, Chris. I, I'm I'm I was spitting feathers the other day to 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 borrow a phrase from my dad uh, of how angry I was when I saw this come out. And ironically. With the Premier League so determined to clamp down on piracy and stuff like that, all they're doing with this is forcing fans onto illegal streaming websites. And it's just going to push fans in that direction. People are not going to pay that kind of money if they can do a couple of clicks on their computer and watch the game anyway. And I know it takes away from the experience of having the, you know all the production and all that sort of stuff when you just sit watching a stream. But people won't stand for this. People will not stand. I don't think I've seen a single person who said, yeah, that seems fair. I can't, I can't think of one. The irony of that as well is that obviously we've talked about piracy so much over the course of the last six months to the point where I'm sick of it. But uh, but, the, but there is that irony that, that obviously the Premier League have tried to clamp down on this because of, and a, and a large part of the reason why the prospective takeover failed was because of Saudi links to, to piracy and uh, Arab sat and, and the like. And yet now there is almost, it's come up with a policy which some supporters have suggested that they may then look as you say for alternative means to watch the game and so there is there is a an irony there which I don't think has been lost on anyone within the Newcastle fan base but it is it is extremely frustrating and uh, I, I I thought they might have been rode back on it by now already it seems that they, they haven't yet which I thought they might do I did think that because the noise has been so much but I wonder if actually alternative events, which are just about to get it onto now, that came out over the weekend of maybe quieting down the anger over this, and hopefully that anger will will reemerge over the coming days and weeks once these games are actually being broadcast for for fifteen pound each, and maybe the noise will grow again. Yes, you you alluded to uh, to Project Big Picture earlier on, which is the. Uh the Premier League plan uh, with regards to uh, consolidating power for the top six clubs and also it, it's it's also a way of uh, helping some finance trickle down to the lower leagues as well but I, I can actually looking at the uh, the ins and outs of it from that that article that came out on uh, over the weekend there was there was parts of it which I would which I would say are positive 
Um, but they are massively outweighed by the negative parts of that of, of that proposal. Um, I don't know what you thought when you were looking at it, Chris, but to me, it, it feels like a power grab, and I, I just cannot cannot agree to that kind of thing. Yeah, just as we, just as you can argue that maybe PPV in some sort of way is opportunistic, I think that this is very much so. That this is the time when so many clubs, particularly in League One and Two, are worried about even making it beyond the turn of the year and mind towards the end of the season, yeah. and the promise of money filtering down, and that is that part of the plan I can get on board with. But the issue with it is very much the governance going forward. And that's where I saw someone tweet earlier, and I think I agree with them. If if this if the idea is so brilliant for this project, uh, whatever it's called, I keep forgetting, big picture, just because it's a stupid name. Um, <laughs> project Arse, Project Arse Water, Chris, that's what I'm calling it. <laughs> if it's such a brilliant idea, then remove the bit about where the governance essentially goes to six of nine clubs for for decisions made going forward yeah. and then and then p- put this proposal back again and then maybe there's something we can talk about but the fact that essentially we are saying that half a dozen clubs can decide the governance of it would not just be the premier league it would be overriding issues for the re- the whole of the football pyramid essentially yeah. mm-hmm. i just find quite astonishing and yeah. I know that a lot of Newcastle fans, again, have picked up on something which was alleged by uh, Amanda Staveley in the prospective takeover during the summer, which was that yeah. uh, part of the reason why it failed was because there was some opposition from Premier League clubs. Now, Liverpool and Spurs, I think, were mentioned there. The mm. Premier League denied that. They roundly denied that when they spoke to the uh, Newcastle United Supporters Trust as well. And yet, within this document, the document which I have seen, is an 18-page document, I've seen this document, Within the document, one of the things that is proposed is that there would be the ability to veto the potential yeah. takeover of another football club. How is that? How is that possible? How is that? How, how just, are you allowed to have a cartel like that? I just don't yeah. understand how that is something that can even be proposed. So just to read this this little passage here, which I've got saved because I thought this was really important that we that we get the wording of this right. And um and the way it's the way it's presented to me, it, it it's almost like it's kind of tucked away at the end. And and, it, and I think for such a massive point. I think a little bit more investigation of this needs to be needs to be conducted. It's a special status for the nine longest serving clubs, and the vote of only six of those long term shareholders required to make changes, including amending rules and regulations, agreeing contracts, removal of the chief executive, and a wide ranging veto, including on club ownership. To me, in layman terms, that states if the top six don't like it, you ain't getting a takeover. That's what it sounds like. That that is almost yeah. That that's part of what is being proposed. And that's what I just call it's, it's. Which is how do you do that? How do you get away with that? That's terrible. You can't do it. And, uh, and also the interesting thing about it is that the way that it's presented that, that there will be a trickle down of money and there will be, but the, the the teams who actually will lose out financially are again are, are the fourteen other teams in the Premier League. Certainly yeah. about twelve of them, and that the the top six almost would would keep almost equal share of the money that they do at the minute. They would almost not be affected at all. And then it would yeah. be the teams sort of lower down. And, and Newcastle United haven't come out with a firm position. It took them by surprise on Sunday, as it did a lot of other clubs who didn't know that these negotiations were going on. My strong suspicion, and this is having spoken to people in and around, but but also logic dictates, is that Newcastle would be against this. And, and there's a few reasons why. First of all, because if the, if the Premier League, certainly when Mike Ashley is in charge, if the Premier League was reduced 18 teams, then the, the likelihood of Newcastle going down increases further, which yes. uh, is obviously something which would affect the potential uh, revenues of the business and also for Mike Ashley now would, would potentially prevent a future sale. But also a couple of years ago when there was a redistribution of 
uh, overseas TV rights, which since the formation of the Premier League had been split equally, so all 20 clubs were given a 20th of any rep TV revenues from overseas TV rights. That was changed a, a couple of years ago, and Newcastle were all, one of only two teams who ended up voting against it. And the reason that they voted against it was, as it was put to me, it was like Turkey's voting for Christmas, because <laughs> essentially, again, it was the top six or the top clubs who were getting a greater share of the money, and the the bottom six, bottom eight, bottom ten teams would, would get less of a share of the money because it became merit-based. And so, again, this is the idea, putting more power into the, into the hands of, of the big six, because the, what I think is so clever about what they've tried to do, almost Machiavellian in many ways, is, is mm. look, we're giving you all this this money, we're going to give the FA money, we're going to give the women's game money, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. and it, But then they want, in return, all this power so that essentially, can you guarantee that in three years' time they're going to be as generous? Are they going to be as charitable then to, to the rest of the pyramid when they when they see the potential money here? I just That's what I find to be the sort of Machiavellian way behind this. It feels like almost holding the rest of the the, the, the football league pyramid to ransom, doesn't it? And saying, you know, if you want you want our help, you can have it. But in the meantime, we get to make all the decisions and call all the shots. It's uh, it's quite something, isn't it? It's an astonishing uh, an astonishing move. Uh, another thing that I saw uh, over the weekend as well with regards to this was that some clubs would be entitled to stadium building cost subsidies and rebates and stuff like that with Spurs potentially getting 125 million pounds back uh, under this under this scheme to cover cost of uh, the stadium that the new stadium that was built and I mean God, I don't know I, I, again another thing that doesn't really sit very nicely with me when you think about that much money um I, I feel like that could be that could be much better spent elsewhere Spurs knew the cost of that when they when they built their stadium they would have factored everything into that when they when they took that project upon themselves and now that they're going to be getting this money possibly getting this money handed back to them uh, when it could be better used in the game I, I, it feels a little bit off to me as well that yeah, the, the the backdating of those sort of payments is interesting. One thing that within it, which maybe could be seen as a benefit for, for for Newcastle, is that actually there is there are provisions within that these these plans that money would be set aside so that clubs would be encouraged to increase infrastructure. And at Newcastle United, obviously, that is a big talking point, something which hasn't happened yeah. under Meg Ashley, and that money would what's, almost what's be... What's infrastructure, alle- Chris? What's infrastructure? <laughs> well, exactly, yeah, Meg Ashley would need that explained to him in, in, in great detail. <laughs> Uh, but that actually the money would, would even be set aside for that and you'd be encouraged to do that. And then maybe that is a way to sort of increase uh, the, the the facilities that, that a lot of clubs have. And so maybe that is one of the few parts. And as I say, not everything is negative. The, the redistribution of money, I don't have too much of a problem with. It's, it's, it's just the fact that A, that money is very much coming from the teams who aren't the big six. But B, and more importantly, is it's the fact that it's the it's the power share trade-off that that is wanted there and it's 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 creating a cartel which probably exists to a certain extent already in terms of the the, the big six seem to to quite often consult with each other when they want things happening obviously as i said before the redistribution of overseas tv rights a couple of years ago but to, to actually set that in stone and to make it so that they can decide the entire governance of the of the english football pyramid going yeah. forward i think is a frightening concept so what do you think, Chris? What does your gut say about this? Are you, do you think this is something that they could actually do and push through? Or, or do you think the backlash to this is going to cause it to kind of be forgotten? I mean, we've heard about European Super Leagues and breakaway leagues and all this sort of stuff over the last 10, 15 years, numerous times. Is this something that's going to get forgotten or is this a genuine, serious prospect? Well, the cynic in me thinks that 
and this is supposition, but thinks that the reason that this has come out is because it's been leaked to show this is the extreme of if, if of what could happen, and that so a watered down version can eventually go through is 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 what I fear is the case. But there has been such such a big backlash against it from those involved in the Premier League. But the problem is that I think there's been a lot of arguments for it in the EFL and certainly in League One, League Two, yes. a lot of clubs yeah. who've come out for it. Now, Parry's position to me seems untenable. I don't really understand how Rick Parry, the chief executive of the EFL, who's come out and supported this and, and basically given on-the-record briefings about it. I find astonishing that, that that is happening when a lot of people didn't know about it. The the thing I don't see is I, I don't see 14 of 20 Premier League clubs voting it through as it would need to be now. I don't see what how we get to that point, but I do think mm. that this is a starting point for conversation. It really does need to happen. There does need to be a, di- a redistribution of money and a change to, to the way that football is run. But I hope that this starting point isn't just something that's going to just be chiselled away at. I hope that this moves drastically before we actually reach a conclusion of what's going to happen. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's interesting as well how they get to decide who the top six is or who the big six is. It, it feels to me like it's, well, it's the six richest clubs, basically. Over the last sort of 20 years of the Premier League history, you know, there's a lot of instances where those big six clubs haven't been in the top six. It's a strange one to me that they feel that they can just kind of go, well, that's it, we're just going to consolidate power uh, and, and make all of this sort of, make all of these decisions uh, for the rest of the league. But how do you get to choose that? And when they, they mention the wording's really vague and obscure and they say, you know, the, the long serving stakeholders and stuff like that um why do they get to make these decisions like this you know it's it, it just seems to me like there's like there's a an, an another uh another planet player here somewhere down the line yeah well that's the that's exactly it it's, it's, it's a sort of arbitrary decision on their part and basically it's we have the most money at the minute we have the most power we want to consolidate want that, to keep it. that forward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that's <laughs> and you're not getting that. any of it yeah that's, that's ours now we're talking about oh, capitalism man. before, and this is the this is the very definition of it. So it absolutely is. Uh, well, in a couple of minutes, we've got uh, Laurie Whitwell, our Man United uh, correspondent, coming on to have a chat with us about Steve Bruce, the uh, forthcoming Man United Newcastle game PPV, and all of that other stuff. Be back in a sec. This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. 
Okay, so we're joined by Laurie Whitwell, the Athletics Manchester United correspondent. I'm not going to call them United. I refuse to do that. I will give them their full <laughs> title of Manchester United Football Club every opportunity. How are you doing, Laurie? You okay? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Apologies if I do slip and say just the United, though. <laughs> I will immediately come back. Well, with what, which one is it, Laurie? Which one? Because there is lots of them. No, but oh, that's yes. fair enough. I know it's, it's a habit, isn't it? But thanks for joining us anyway, and, and thanks for giving up your time. How are things in are you in Manchester yourself? How are things in Manchester at the minute? Because everything's a bit mad, isn't it? Yeah, I'm in the suburbs around Manchester. It's uh, it's raining today. Uh, it's actually it's been quite nice beforehand, but uh, yeah, did be a bit of a you could have recorded that trickle. on any day of the yeah, last twenty years, couldn't you? I'm in Manchester. <laughs> it's raining. <laughs> it's overcast. It's gloomy. I might go out for a, for a jog later, though. Still, ah, you should you know, definitely get out there. While the, the weather's rubbish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, well, we've got you on because we want to talk to you a little bit about the, the upcoming Man United game uh, and, and also a little bit about the pay-per-view stuff as well, which has happened. But first of all, mm. um, Steve Bruce, uh, obviously a massive figure at Man United over the years, club captain, all that sort of stuff, uh, hugely influential over, over the over the decades. Um, how is he, he kind of viewed now from a Man United point of view? He's, he's the Newcastle manager and, and I know some fans up here are not overly keen on him, but how is he viewed from a Man United point of view? I think pretty affectionately, really. I mean, um, the guy was the captain when, you know, United won the first Premier League title, you know, and, and went on you know, along with Brian Robson. But, um, you know, there's those, you know, the, the images of those two late headers against Sheffield Wednesday yes. when, you know, Fergie's on the pitch and Brian Kidd's, you know, yeah. doing all kinds of acrobatics. And, um, you know, they, they they live long, I think, and they will always stay the, stay the course just because of, you know, what happened in history after that point. Um uh, and I was just I was thinking back actually about what he, so obviously I was you know following United when I was you know younger and, and he was he was the captain and uh, he did these captains logs uh, VHSs uh, which I used to have that so that, that kind of like a really early football memory for me and I, I went back and just had a look at what the cover was because it, it, it did sort of stay in my mind and it, it's I him bet they've held up it, well have they fantastically <laughs> it's him in a green polo looking over his shoulder sat in a Steve Bruce director's chair so he's obviously oh, editing wow. his own VHS but we had him for years before I think we got rid of the VHS. VHS machine long before we actually got rid of the VHSs because I, I just quite like looking at the at the covers but it was a really Brilliant. weird it was actually quite open and honest those 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 that time you know when, when you yeah. had I think Fergie did a few as well videos so it was kind of like a more open uh, house but I think that gave that gave a sense of who he was and, and the, the kind of character that he is and I think um, most people appreciate him for being a pretty genuine guy and, and a nice one as well and, and obviously yeah. he's, you know he's done well in management since um had a little bit to do with him professionally when I was covering Aston Villa and he was mm. he was you know good with his time good with with comments he, he certainly took you to task if he didn't agree with what you'd written <laughs> yeah. um you know I'm sure you've had that up there as well yeah. um yeah. but <laughs> but you yeah, but generally you know a good football person and, and pretty fair guy as well I mean Laurie looking outwards in at Newcastle at the minute and Steve Bruce being here obviously he's he's coming to the club at what has been a chaotic time. It, it's been up and down from over, over the 14, 15 months he's been here and he, he's seen by some as just that he isn't he isn't the right appointment and that, that they don't want him here. How have you perceived from an outside looking in on, on, the, on the sort of job that he's done and the way that he, he's handled himself? I think he's done better than people expected, right? Because I remember when he got appointed and, and, and took over from, from Rafa Benitez that it was, um, you know, very much seen as a downward step from from Newcastle. Obviously, he was at Sheffield Wednesday, been sacked at Aston Villa beforehand. And it was an unusual choice, I suppose, to go for a manager of, of that ilk, um, albeit with his own sort of affection with the area um, himself. But uh, so I think, he's, I think he's really surpassed what people expected. I know that, you know, I, I, I saw both, you know, Newcastle, 
United v Man United games last season, and and you know the possession wasn't <laughs> to the fore. And uh, but you know the, the game at St James's was was an example. You know we of, don't of how sorry we don't recognise possession as a concept in football. <laughs> you know? I'm sorry to say, but <laughs> well, to be fair, United at that point, Manchester United, sorry, were um, yeah. were very much uh, had a, had a difficult relationship with possession because every time they had more of it, that they ended up losing the game. So right. they they you know ideally and and the game at St James's was was a case in point you know to to a t really because uh, man united had you know just much more of the ball and but but newcastle actually looked the more dangerous really and man united didn't really create much so i, I came away from that game thinking steve bruce has obviously got a, a good morale about the place sort of understands what his players can and can't do and and seems to be you know working within that um clearly you know, he's he's had some reinforcements in the summer, which I think have been really shrewd signings. Actually, I've spoken to quite a few people that think that way. Um, so I suppose you need to have then a, a step on from that. And it's been a bit hit and miss, hasn't it, so far this season? But I think he's doing actually a pretty good job, given you know the expectations were were fairly modest. Which I, I know, you know, Newcastle should be aspiring towards more. But um, and ideally, you could get an elite coach in there and, and see what else you could do. You know, with the the fan base and, and with the transfer budget that you, you could really command. Um, but I don't know. I, I kind of think he's doing a pretty good job from from, yeah. from the outside, at least. I mean, we, we alluded to this last week on the podcast and George was saying that um, if you just look at the league table, it looks it looks like Steve Bruce is overachieving massively. If you uh, look at Twitter, it looks like he's on the verge <laughs> of getting sacked any, any minute now. If you watch just the performances of the last few weeks, we look like the worst team in the league and playing the most horrible, turgid football. But... As last year proved as well, we we have this knack of getting results when we're playing really badly, and I'm not I'm not sure how long that's sustainable. Uh, mm. But but it, it it feels like it's just something we're, we're hanging on to for dear life at the minute. The wheels might come off, you never know. Uh, potentially, the wheels could come off massively this weekend against Manchester United, uh, and it's the first game that's been chosen for the new pay per view scheme. Uh, so how do you how do you view this whole this whole pay per view scheme in the current context of the the coronavirus world that we're living in? How does how does this sit with you? I think people could probably appreciate the fact that if you know they're not able to make match day revenue um, mm. in the usual way, that you know certain clubs will probably need to actually um, you know try and get some of that back from from fans who are happy to you know watch their team. But fifteen pounds, you know, fourteen ninety five, just in case anyone didn't realise that was that was quite close to fifteen pounds. Um, it just <laughs> seems. Clever, clever prices, isn't it? Exactly, crafty. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, you, you pay that for, for for boxing, you know, cards which you know stacked with you know interesting fights that you wouldn't see in a long time. So it's the novelty of it that, that gives it the the um, the price point. And, and whereas this, you know, it's 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 you know it's something that happens every week. So if you really are a fan that wants to watch you know, you're going to have to be stumping up every week. And I know people say, well, that's your own choice, but it's a very different product, isn't it? To be sat yeah. on your TV, sat at home watching on your TV, than actually in the stadium enjoying it. It's, it's a totally different, more vibrant experience. And that's what you're paying for when you buy a, a match day ticket, which, you know, we can argue about price, you know, price of match day tickets as, as a separate issue. But um, I think it just sort of shows what, happens when there's not that understanding of the general populace you know when the people that are making these decisions you know obviously earning much more money than the average uh, person that would go to a football match and would kind of think oh 15 15 pounds is fair I think if you you know I, I don't know where you'd probably draw it I mean if it was five pounds I think the, the whole conversation would be totally totally different and I, you might still get people sort of thinking you know in, in an era of coronavirus where people are being affected people are losing jobs and, and, and earnings are 
you know going to be down and, and people are struggling could football you know football has room to breathe we know that there is you know money in the coffers i know they've sort of pleaded poverty on, on certain issues or, or at least you know straightened finances but then you know get they go and spend you know record numbers uh, you know on transfer fees so it's you know you can't yeah. <laughs> have it both ways so um so i would have said that actually could they just incorporate some of that you know that loss and just say that that's just life that's just you know coronavirus for yeah. you you know you have to you know i don't think it's fair to necessarily pass that on to the fans who already pay a lot of money for sky for bt for yeah, amazon absolutely. for all the different ways you can consume football um yeah. so yeah it, it kind of was quite distasteful for me Laurie, looking ahead to to the actual game on, on on Saturday, though, I mean, we we up here always think that Newcastle are in crisis because they usually are. But it seems that if <laughs> if there if there is a if there is a club of the two of them who seems to be heading towards a sort of relative crisis at the minute, it would be Manchester United. How what is the sort of mood going into this weekend? Yeah, it's been difficult. I think it's it's going to be a, a big test, and, and and what you were saying before about you know Newcastle, um, you know, is it sustainable the way they play? I can see this game again being another difficult one for Manchester United. You know, to, to play against a team that is happy to you know sit back and and you know concede possession. Um, United did Manchester United did seem to you know affect that towards the end of last season where they had you know they were able to break down defenses that, that sat deep with with Bruno with, with Pogba's passing with with Rashford Marshall. Greenwood linking nicely but um, obviously Marshall's out for the game Cavani's not um, you know out of his quarantine yet so I can see it being another difficult encounter and and if it is anything other than a a victory for Manchester United will you know increase the pressure on on the situation at at Manchester United and you know the scrutiny on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer I suppose which sounds probably unfair to say after you know finishing third last season I'm I'm sort of a big fan of what Solskjaer's trying to do at Manchester United um you know, from where they were and, and the run they put together and the signings he's made, they seem astute and, and the improvements from certain players. But nevertheless, you know, if you start the season with, you know, three points, maybe four points, if it's a draw, it'll just, you know, the conversation just won't go away from, from looking at that and, and thinking what's going wrong there. Um, we, we, we had a bit of a go, myself and Adam Crafton, at, um, you know, what happened around the, the 6-1 defeat. And I think the the transfer activity really did set the mood for what United Manchester United have started this season like because you know Solskjaer had his had his priorities you know and United sort of tried to get them but not with any kind of real sense of conviction it seems like and then left everything to the last minute and deadline day again and that you know you've already lost sort of three games there where those players could have been playing and also just the mood that it creates sort of doesn't seem conducive to to good you know results on the pitch so um, yeah, there's there's definite issues there, and and it, it would be a really interesting game on Saturday. I can you can see why they've chosen it for pay per view, can't you? Know oh, the first game. Yeah. I mean, it was <laughs> it was nailed on, wasn't it? Because all <laughs> yeah. the daft, all of us daft Geordies will be like, oh, yeah, I'm getting that. I'll be getting that in the house. Uh, yeah, and and everyone's There'll waiting be a lot of Man for Man United fans tuning in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone's waiting for the 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 car that Ollie is at the wheel of to sort of burst into flames and all the wheels to fall off it. <laughs> so it's kind of it, it, yeah, it was it's absolute box office, isn't it? In every in every way, shape, or form. Um, and you think you think back to some of those moments over the last couple of seasons of, uh, I mean, we we were two 0 up at Old Trafford with Yoshinori Muto scoring goals and then went on to lose three two, an unbelievable game of football. Uh, the uh, the Matty Longstaff debut goal uh, at the Gallagher end and all that sort of stuff that goes with it. The game always throws up moments, doesn't it? Mm, absolutely. I mean, even the game um, on boxing, I think it was last season, wasn't it? Where 
you know, that was a difficult period really for, for Solskjaer and, and Matty Longstaff scoring again. And you're thinking, oh, oh wow, what's what's going to happen here? And, and, and Man United actually came back and played probably the best football they had done at that point really in, in the season, you know, the, the kind yeah. of attacking. And, and that seemed to really galvanise the situation with, with Greenwood, Marshall and Rashford as, as a trio as well. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hopefully expecting goals because I, I think if there's goals in the game, you'd, you'd back Man United to score more of them. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but then again, you know, I, I do think Newcastle have got, you know, they've got a threat about them. Callum Wilson's looking looking tidy. Um, you know, got Ram Fraser there as well. And I, I love Maxim Chupamo, not Maxim Chupamoting, sorry. Um, Alan Sat Maxim man. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> can we, can we edit that out? Player, but yeah, we like him as well. Why <laughs> <laughs> did I have that in my head? Alan Sat Maxim or Alan Sat Maxim yeah. I was Excellent. doing a piece on on, on Maxim Chupamoting the other day, which I think is why it's in my head. But you know, because he's gone yeah, to yeah. he's gone to Bayern, hasn't he? It's like how yeah. what, what agent has he got there? But um, sorry, Alan Sat Maxim man. I, I really like him as a as a you know sort of fire fire brand of a player you know sort of never quite sure what he's going to do but it's, it's usually yeah. pretty pretty skillful so um yeah I, I don't know I, i'm looking forward to the game i think it should be a, a decent one but um yeah lot, lots of tension in the air around man united certainly yes absolutely oh did you want did you want me to say something okay I well should, i was I you know i kind of left a little silence and i don't have eddie van halen to fill it this week so i need you to kind of i need you to still chip in now and again the, do you know what i mean the cheaper moting <laughs> yes i was just thinking you? about cheaper moting yeah <laughs> I know I'd spoken to to Laurie quite a few times across the course of of last season. Just before we let him go, actually, I just want to I just want to touch upon one thing, which I know you reported in a in a piece a few weeks ago. And just because Newcastle were looking for a defender for a period this this summer, and there was sort of tentative interest in in Phil Jones. Is it my right in saying, Laurie? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I think they asked the question. I think you can see the attraction from Steve Bruce. You know, Phil Jones seems like his kind of guy. I don't think anybody's seen the attraction the in Phil Jones, have they? <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> building it too much. Yeah, listen, we're, we're, we're trying to trying to get him off the wage bill. I think so. Listen, I've got to, got to speak positively of him. Uh, I, I think he's been unlucky with injuries, and I know he's had a yeah. He's basically the lightning rod, isn't he, for everything that goes wrong mm. at United, Man United. Whenever he plays, you know that that game against Sheffield United in the back three last season when it was. You know, United, Man United with, uh, you know, was it 2-0 down, I think, at half-time? He had a nightmare. But it was a bit unfair because it was, you know, in a different position for him. I don't know. Listen, you can criticise all you like. But anyway, the question, uh, you know, was asked, you know, I'm led to believe because he was on the list um, for players to go. But um, he has had a sort of knee kind of problem. Um, I'm led to believe he's had a sort of procedure um, over the summer on that to kind of try and clear it out. But it's not necessarily... Uh, fully cleared and so yeah he's not I don't think he's training at the moment he's, he's so he's injured so so that never really went anywhere because I don't think he would have been I, th- I think he could have you know I think I think if if Newcastle had wanted to, to take him they, they could have done and kind of work with him from that point of view um, sort of knowing his situation but I think it was one way they thought we'd rather get somebody who's who's fully fit in the building first um, or, or, or nobody yeah. <laughs> uh, which you know I guess <laughs> usually the case, the case what uh, yeah. happened <laughs> yeah so um so yeah but no he yeah I think that could be one that, that gets looked at again because you know he's he's not he's not going to be forcing his way I don't think it back into Manchester United's first team so you know if Newcastle do have a have another sniff in January maybe that, yeah. that could be something that happens I must say I'm a big fan of Phil Jones you know I, I, maybe he's not necessarily as a footballer just in general the sort of concept of him I think he's I think he's wonderful I mean, he's got if he's got a face that a dog wouldn't lick uh, and he's just fantastic at those sort of you know you see him pop up and you feel like there should be clown music going on behind him sometimes when he makes those mistakes I'll never forget him scoring an own goal at St James's Park with his face uh, when a, a long kick went downfield uh, and he tried to nod it back past uh, yes. I 
can't remember who the keeper was at the time, um, but he nodded it straight into his own net. It was wonderful. You just thought, I was waiting for the wah, 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 wah <laughs> kind of trumpet thing to go on behind him. But anyway, yeah, Phil Jones, what a player. So he needs to come back and, and score in the right end of the net for Newcastle, doesn't he? <laughs> yes, to, he does. to, you know, Then he can complete the set or... Outstanding, fantastic no. stuff. <laughs> Laurie, thank you very much for joining us, mate. We really appreciate it. We really, uh, really appreciate you taking taking the time to come and speak to us today. It's been fun having you on, and uh, you never know what could happen this weekend with Newcastle and Man United. It could be, it could be a goal fest. It could be a nil nil board draw. Who knows? Thanks for having me on, guys. Really enjoyed it. Well, there we go. We've got through lots today. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, it's been lovely to have you on board the Good Ship Pod on the Tyne once again. Chris, thank you very much, mate. Lovely to speak to you. Lovely to speak to you as well. Have a good I week. Ha- I hope you have a smashing week, mate. You look after yourself, yeah? Thank you, I'll try. And don't, and don't listen to the stuff that George says about you, yeah? I don't <laughs> believe any of it. It's just rumours. None of it's true. <laughs> <laughs> right, thanks very much for uh, for listening. Thanks very much for your time. We shall speak to you soon. Make sure you get yourselves on www.theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod uh, and read all of those lovely articles and you can take advantage of our £1 a month offer that is currently on there right now. Can't wait to read Alan Shearer's stuff and see what he has to say about the whole Newcastle United thing. Uh, Looking forward to speaking to you again soon next week. Take care, look after yourselves. Bye-bye. Thank you.